Hello, everybody. This is Pasha Marlowe, and you're at the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. And and today, super excited to bring to you a friend, a dear, dear friend, one of my closest friends, Sarah McLaughlin. And Sarah has just written a book, not just one book, her second book. So I'm super proud of her. She is a social worker, a parent educator, and an author amongst a million other things that we'll probably get into, but super excited you're here. Sarah, Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and I love seeing your smiling faces and hello to everybody listening and watching. Yes. Yes. I'm sure people are going to be shocked to know that you too are from Maine because most of my amazing female guests have been from Maine. It's just Mm, interesting. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm thrilled to announce that. So here you are a neighbor, a friend and a phenomenon. And even if you lived across the world, I would want to know you. There go my notes. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Look away. Sarah, she's gonna get her notes I'm going I'm going rogue um what I always think is cool is that even though it's a pleasure podcast we come to the table with often some serious topics and the book you just wrote is called raising humans with heart right that's true your first book what not to say a huge success now followed up by this new one which I'm just so excited about because I think it's important, especially now with the changes in the world. And um, I'm raising a highly sensitive, empathetic child and, um, and who I want to raise with as much heart as possible and find ways to create boundaries. So the big hearted people don't get um, stomped on as I'm sure is part of your book. So can we start with boundaries? Cause I feel like boundaries are like, Oh key, yeah. Key boundaries everything. is so great. Before yeah. we jump into boundaries, I would love, I just loved what you said about raising your son with heart. And there is a little bit of a double entendre in the, in the title, yeah. um, as far as raising humans with heart also means our own hearts, right? So that yeah. we as parents are in our hearts, but that we also are raising our kids to have big hearts, as you said. So um, I just wanted to point that out since you made such a lovely statement about that. But, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and if our hearts are, if, if we're big hearted and wholehearted and empathetic and highly sensitive and raising a little one who is as well, there's, there's a whole lot of emotion in the house. So I can't wait yeah. to navigate it. Yeah, we can, we can definitely step into that too. Well, boundaries is an awesome place to start because Um, that really is what I think allows the most pleasure to come into a relationship, relationships without boundaries, whether they're adult to adult relationships, adult to child, parent, child, um, it doesn't really matter. But if you don't have boundaries, there can't be as much intimacy or honesty, I don't think so Mm. boundaries. And I always teach boundaries to parents along with kindness, because I think that as a carryover at the beginning of my book, I talk about sort of like this manual that we all inherit from our own childhoods, because the way we were parented is our first template for parenting, right? Is what we saw our parents do and what we experienced with their parenting of us and our siblings, if we had them. So checking that out and seeing kind of where boundaries fell in your family of origin is a nice place to kind of think about how you bring yourself to boundaries, because I don't know about you, but, but the way I was raised, there was not a lot of opportunity for children to have boundaries, right? It was like Mm -hmm. the parents did the laying down of the law Mm -hmm. and that was very much an authoritarian approach. So there was not as much of a two-way street, which can get a little sticky because we have these beliefs and behaviors that kind of pop up when we're parenting 
that um, if we're not mindful of them, they kind of take over and run the narrative. So um, taking them, taking some time to kind of sift through that and, and look back at how boundaries were handled. If you were allowed to have boundaries, right? That's how we teach kids consent from a young age is we allow them to have boundaries and we respect their boundaries, Mm -hmm. Um, which if you have a certain view of kids can feel a little counterintuitive, right? Like they're little, we know more than them. We're running the show. Um, You know, it doesn't maybe occur to us to stop and check in with a a two-year-old about what they want to be doing in the moment. And also that could be completely exhausting and go the other way. But um, bringing back bringing back the piece about kindness is that, and, and emotions that you brought up is that it's, there is a way to set boundaries that is both firm and kind so that you're setting the boundary and you mean it, but that you are still available for the emotion that comes with it mm-hmm. because, you know, nobody likes not getting their way, whether they're four or 40, like that's no fun. If somebody yeah. sets a boundary because they're the grown up in the situation and then the child is not getting what they want that's no fun. And there's going to be some feelings about it. And so that's okay. Like you don't have to do anything different because you set a boundary, your child didn't like it. And now they're expressing their dislike in whatever noisy, inconvenient way. Um, if we have a strong boundary that their big emotions are not a, a reflection of us B something we need to do anything about other than say, Hmm, that's really hard. I hear you. That's a lot of, a lot of upset. I totally understand. Um, then we can kind of stay relaxed in our nervous systems. I know this is not easy. It was not easy for me. And I had to do a lot of practicing to stay calm in my nervous system when my child was having a big giant meltdown because nobody held that space for me. So I didn't have sort of the the muscle memory to then be able to hold that space for my child. So that's where it can get a little tricky. And there's, there's, you you find where the boundary is. So you know what work is yours to do and what right. work, it, what, what is not your child gets to have their feelings. You don't need to do anything about that, but you might need to do something about how you feel about those feelings. Yeah. And the more emotional or tired we are, it seems harder to hold to those boundaries because we don't want to oh, yeah. maybe deal with the energy it takes to even respond to the consequences of our boundaries. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> It's so true. Like, don't, don't say, don't say uh, yes, unless you really mean it. Don't say no, unless you really mean it. And also it's okay to change your mind sometimes. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I was having a a conversation with somebody online about this very thing. And I said, I call that, I call that um, changing your mind with authority. Like sometimes if you just realize I can't really, I really can't deal with this. So I'm just going to, with authority, change my mind instead of like, oh, fine. You can watch more TV. You can say, you know what? I thought about it. And you were having a nice time. And so I'm going to go ahead and give you another 15 minutes and just your tone of voice that you are still in a leadership role. It doesn't kind of chip away at your, um, at your authority in the same way yes, that you might give fine, in. Fine, yeah, fine. Yeah. Like, I don't want to argue just fine. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're throwing in the towel and it shows, then that can, you know, cre- create certain dynamics in your relationship that one might rather avoid. Yes. And are you, careful about creating boundaries between you and your, your partner for you, your husband in front of your child to, to model that behavior. Is that part? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example of that. Um, even just doing things at your own convenience, right? Like, like checking in and not, I always know when my boundaries, when I'm out of alignment with my own boundaries, if I start to feel resentful. So that's Mm -hmm. one of my telltale 
That's one of my mm-hmm. tells to myself. And I'll be like, oh, I'm feeling resentful. I should have said no to doing this favor for my partner or my child. You know, even if it's just like, we well, get me a glass of water, right? Like sometimes <laughs> the answer is sure. I will happily get you a glass of water. But right. sometimes if I'm doing something else or I don't feel like it or whatever, and I say yes, but then I feel resentful. I'm like, oh, I should have said no. Interesting. <laughs> now I know that I should have said no. And so for me, it's been sort of a process to know to be able to pause and check in and be like, can I, should I, can I, should I say yes to this mm-hmm. request or do I need to check in with myself and decide where, where's my boundary in this moment? Yeah. And should yeah. I say yes or no? And boundaries shift and change depending on where we're at, right. Depending where our kids are at. Um, but the, the one, the one person that knows is you and you'll know if you don't nail it. Yes. Yeah, so there's a, a, correlation between setting boundaries and listening to your knowing or your intuition and checking. Okay. I think, I think so. Do you think so? Well, you're the expert. Oh, <laughs> you're yes. So yes. <laughs> yes. No, I, I absolutely do. Um, and I think you're to your point in the beginning is like, am I just setting these boundaries because I'm continuing a story that I was told in childhood or a story that's been told for generations Or can I actually create my own boundaries according to my own sense of knowing that's going to be completely unique to my, uh, my home and my family and that that's okay. And that, and that we, we set a lot of boundaries in our house um, around Jamie's choosing his doctors, which is normally Mm -hmm. not something I would allow a 13 year old to do, but he needs to be involved in his medical care um, to the point where Otherwise there's not trust. And so for us, setting boundaries is a lot about the the trust building to an extent, obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, he doesn't want to take meds. We still have to take meds. That's just the way it is. Um, There's a bit of that, but, but we have given him more, um, more power in his medical care than we ever thought we would. And it Mm -hmm. seems to be helping navigate it. So it's just one of me. And then with Xbox, you know, oh my gosh. Sure. Oh gosh. Yeah. The screens We're we won't even go there. Um, but I love what you said about seems to be working because it speaks to, you know, the subtitle to my book is not a how-to manual because I could never write a manual for anybody else to how to parent, parent their child, because neurodiversity, like that we are a neurodiverse species and there's just no way for me to ever have a formula or a magic bullet or anything for any behavior. But, but what you, that statement you made seems to be working speaks to that. It is a a little bit of trial and error, right? Like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dance, right? The boundaries piece is a dance, the figuring out what is how much power to give your child. and, And, you know, that's the slow process of them growing up. Um, you know, is that they slowly take on more and more responsibility, more and more power. They make more and more choices. They have more and more sovereignty and autonomy, and that's all lovely, but it's not a straight line, right? It doesn't go from like baby to 25 year old, which is really (laughs) when brains are done developing and it's a straight line. Like it's not, and how much, how much parents could or should let go of the reins in any given situation. I certainly couldn't tell you how much your personal child can handle at whatever age, right? It's very unique. And so that's where it becomes trying to get out of your head and where you might have all those stories about how kids should be um, and and parenting the child that is in front of you and, and relating to them in that moment about whatever it is that's happening. So your book is also empowering parents to to check in with their own truth. 
which is awesome. And within those boundaries and that structure comes freedom because then I assume there's more flow in the family because it's not so much chaos and triaging every day because you've set boundaries. And so with that freedom, in theory, there would be more time for, I don't know, pleasure or self-care or filling our cup. Um, And so when that opportunity arises, um, do you have any recommendations for how parents can start to, to navigate that even within the, the couple, like to feel balance and, in, in who has, um, who has more self-care to be able to make it through the day that day, you know, like, yeah, oh, you, right. I had to go to the grocery store and you got to go do meet right. with friends. And last week you met with friends and this week I want to be with, like, we have this negotiation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I know one of the things I say, I can't remember exactly what it is. I'll never find the page number, but you know, especially moms. And there's lots written about this. You could find an article about the default parent or the second shift from the seventies. Like there's all kinds written about, you know, how, how women bear the the mental load, right? Like, you know, we might be, we might be equally split in these other areas, but you know, that women typically carry more of a mental load of like the big picture of the family calendar, et cetera, type of type of stuff. Yeah. The list in the head. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is where all these, you know, soft skills come in. One of my chapters is called so emotional competence is not a soft, soft skill, right? Like being able to know what you want and be able to ask for it and mm-hmm. set those boundaries and, and making sure you're part of the equation, right? Like, and we also get fed this thing from a young age about, you know, that women should be selfless caretakers, right? And so a lot of us just step into that story and don't pay it, don't, you know, deconstruct it or examine it or get curious about it enough to say, huh, this is really not working for me. So I'm going to, as my friend Bobby says, ASK to GET, like is put, ask, ask for what you want, right? Like you can't, it's not fair to not ask for what you want and then feel mad that you don't have what you want, right? Exactly. Like make it, make it happen as much as you can um, and, and pass things off um, and make agreements with your partner. That's where those communication skills, the conflict re- conflict resolution skills really come into play. And that's such awesome modeling too, for your kids, right? If they're seeing you negotiate, well, here's what works for me. Here's what, here's that actually doesn't work for me. And, you know, talking it through, um, Mm -hmm. anything that your child sees you do in that vein is, is amazing modeling. And it does bring more opportunity for pleasure and fun, right? If everybody's, if everybody's bandwidth is stretched so thin that they can't, you know, even think straight, then, then nobody's like in a good mood. Right. And those moods can be kind of like a hot potato that get handed around a family unit. Um, I've got this mobile behind me. This is my son's mobile from when he was a baby, but there's like a family systems theory thing, right. Where like, if one little animal is out of balance, then it it affects the whole, like if I went and touched one of those little um, ponies, it would make the whole thing move. Right. So if I'm never, if I'm the the mother or the father, whoever's, you know, you're, you're co-steering the ship of the family and, and you're feeling all out of whack and out of balance. You're like wobbliness is bringing wobbliness to the whole. And then you wonder why your kids are like off the wall. Right. But right. Right. You know, but I'm pouring everything into them. Well, maybe, maybe we should take back, move the boundary, move the boundary back just a little bit and then have, have a cup of, you know, some space for yourself to, um, I don't know whose quote it is that you can't fill from an empty cup. So mm. you just, you can't, so you have mm. to pause and fill it. And, um, you know, small, small bits, it doesn't have to be, it's lovely if you can get away for a day, a half a day, 
whatever, whatever with friends, like you were mentioning, Mm -hmm. but it also can be, especially for people with younger kids, it can be two minute, you know, a a two minute thing. I have a, I have a, um, downloadable like parent reset program. And one of the things that comes with it is like a a page of like parent Phillips, like that are, that are quick. Some of them are quick. Some of them are a little longer, but just like ways to pause and take a breath and get in your body. Like And if you have the two to five minutes and your intention is to take those two to five minutes to relax, or you're seeing it with that orientation, you're far more likely to settle into it and appreciate it versus like, oh, had I known I'd have five minutes sitting, yes. on the I would have appreciated it more. Right, right, right. <laughs> or you like, all of a sudden you've been scrolling for five minutes and like your brain is just still kind of yes. fried. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I totally, I'm like, why am I not like meditating or like centering right now instead right. of like, And so with all of this, um, hopefully time for a pleasure and self-care, then we could become more light and playful in our families, which is, I think always the goal and the intention of the day, but darn it, even though I teach it, I can get to the end of the day and realize I never actually played with my child. We were all kind of parallel playing, you know, my podcast and he's playing with his (laughs) Xbox and John's playing (laughs) with basement dirt. I don't even know. Yeah construction you know his yeah. but um but then we we go to bed and we're like wow yeah we, hard, we hardly checked in not you know not yeah. to mention didn't play with each right. other um so finding play I like I like recommending sneaking it in with mm. tiny habits of things you're already doing if you're already making dinner can you do it while singing to 80s songs right. and you know always yeah. <laughs> You're always, always like, 80s music at my house. <laughs> that's the default at your house. Oh my oh, gosh. Totally. <laughs> for sure. What do you recommend for bringing more play into the family and fun? Yeah. Well, first of all, for anybody listening who has younger children um, or knows anybody with younger children, like younger children, that's the first language is play. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can tend to be, we tend to forget as grownups so we can get very serious. Um, but I've been surprised how much you know, that silliness. So I was going to say like silliness and, and being funny and, you know, taking, acting like you don't know what's going on. Right. Like when my son was younger, my, my husband had a character that was just called dumb guy and dumb guy. He just like, he didn't know Jack. And so whenever you would be like, Oh, I don't know. Am I supposed to eat my dinner with a shovel? I don't know. And he had this like voice that was kind of like a Muppet, like, I don't know but it was hysterical. And so it always would, it shifts the mood. Like anytime yes. you can bring humor, that's why I love what you do. Like you. it, anytime you can bring a little bit of humor, which is sometimes hard to bring it right. Like, especially like the last year has just been so stressful. Everybody's nervous systems are kind of shot. Like mm-hmm. being able to pause and muster funny, right. Mm-hmm. Is tricky, mm-hmm. But kids so appreciate it. Like still, you know, my son's 13 and my, my husband still, you know, pulls out that, that gig every once in a while and it still gets laughs, right? Yes. Like, it's still funny. Um, and so anything that's just like, you know, cracking a joke or, and especially when it's a situation where tensions could run high, like mm-hmm. when my son was a little more tweeny and was in a super sassy phase, he would, if he said something just in that tone, right? Like learning to manage our own triggers so that we can still stay playful is like, you know, super hot, hard to do, but it has such a great payoff. Cause he would like say something in a bratty tone and I would be like, 
hashtag SAS factor 3000. <laughs> and I would like, you know, just, you know, like that was my response. Like, I didn't say like, Hey, quit talking to me that way, which is like, right. honestly, my first reaction. Right? Yes. You still called him out though. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm still saying like, Hey, I'm noticing your tone, not appreciated, mm-hmm. but I'm doing it in a way that's like a little bit playful. Yeah. So being able to bring that playfulness, um, as a first line of connect, because it, it keeps a connection in, in place. Yeah. Right. Yes. And that's really what I'm talking about in this book. Pam Leo wrote the um, forward for my book and her book, which is brilliant. I think it's probably about 15 years old now. Um, still totally relevant and brilliant. It's called Connection Parenting. Okay. And she she just really has taught me, like, is what you are doing, is your interaction building connection or breaking connection? Because mm. if it's breaking connection, you're going to need to come back and repair it if you want to have a good mm. relationship with your child, which mm. we all do. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like if you can catch it before it happens, which it's going, it's going to, you know, there's this rupture and repair thing that's going to keep happening. Right. But if you can bring a little bit of play and keep the connection while you're still like doing that corrective thing, it's just a little nicer and smoother. And, you know, their brains are not developed yet. Right. Like we, we can't talk to them like they're little adults because they're not. Exactly. And um, we walk this line, my, my son's same age as yours, 13. And, um, he tries to do his medicine every day. He hates it every day. And so now we're doing like, you know, when you did with toddlers and babies, like choo-choo. Open like, up. Open up. And it, there's a part of them that wants to be cuddled and taken yeah. care of. And there's a part of them that just thinks it's silly. And we get big eye rolls half the time, but it always works. And it shifts the, it shifts the mood. Yeah. Um, so being willing to, to play and get silly and then allowing, if you have, if you're fortunate enough to have a partner, if you're not in that space, like allowing your partner to maybe take over totally. whatever task that is, if you're in this heavy, dark space where, where you could really use some help to lift up, um, you right. know, bring some levity to the room. Um, so, yeah. And I always find with my animals, my pets, that they're really helpful for that too, because if all of us are in a crappy mood, mm-hmm. the dog is always willing to play. And so we pull from his energy. Yeah. Smart. So smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like an oxytocin. That's the love hormone, yeah. right? The feel good hormone and yeah. any, anything, you know, like pull, ha, ha, like hack yourself, pull up. That's why people share all these like baby animal pictures, right? Cause Absolutely. they like, and baby pictures and like all of whatever kittens, like whatever puppies, whatever gets your oxytocin yes. flowing, like bring it, bring it up, have it be your screensaver, like, you know, whatever, whatever's going to help your body get into that state. Absolutely. Um, which brings us to a whole nother level of pleasure, because if we were talking about (laughs) bringing, uh, deep pleasure in our private moments, um, how do you talk to your kids about pleasure as in self-pleasure, masturbation, um, and just on the whole, how, what what is your philosophy on it? Right. Well, um, the last chapter of my book is called creating inclusive communities. And it's really all about like bringing an anti-bias lens, um, Mm. to, you know, gender, race, sexuality, et cetera. Um, and so I touch on that very briefly, uh, just in terms of, you know, teaching kids anatomically correct body part names from the Mm -hmm. time they're little, that's, I've been, you know, preaching that for 20 years since I was a preschool teacher and, And, you know, letting kids in on, on the fact that like sex feels good, right? Like that's part of, that should be part of sex ed. Um, It's really important for kids to know that. I feel like it's leaving out a big equation if we are focused on reproduction and the mechanics and, you know, the dangers, (laughs) the dangers. Oh gosh. Yeah. Not to mention the dangers, but um, 
I don't know what, I think my line in here is something like, like last I checked, most people grow up and actually enjoy having sex, right? Like that's the, that's the goal that we want people who we've raised to grow up and have a good sex life. Like, yeah. why would you like keep them in the dark about all of that yes. stuff? Not and much I know, pleasure. I know you, you've had other podcast guests who, mm-hmm. who dive more deeply into that, but mm-hmm. it's one of the ways to keep, to, to reduce bias in your child is to teach them about sex and sexuality. And that it's just, it's just part of the spectrum of neurodiverse humans that some people are gay, some people are straight, some people are bi, like that's just part of the world that we live in. Some people are black, some people are brown, some people, we have people from all over the world speak different language, have different cultures. You know, one of the things I started saying to my son from a young age was in our culture. Like when I was telling him something, I would say in our culture, we, you know, actually that's from my friend, Misty. When in our culture, this is how we do it, but that doesn't mean it's the way to do it or the only way to do it or that we're our, every family looks like ours and having those kinds of foundational conversations and, and laying that foundation with your child makes it it grows them up more open-minded, right? Like Mm -hmm. for whatever they're going to encounter in the world. And that makes our world a better place Mm -hmm. because it makes, it makes the world safer for all different kinds of people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you bring the inclusion into it. Um, It's, it's just so, it's so important. And and we're living in, you know, very white Maine. Yes, we are. (laughs) And I raised my two older kids in also white New Hampshire. And Uh, so when they went off to, um, to college, I was thinking, I was thinking back, did I include that in the conversation a lot? Like, this is how our family works. This is how like our town and community and culture works, but this is not what you're going to see out in, um, out in college and beyond. And, um, I think it's so important to expose kids to all, all different, um, cultures and different books. And I don't, how do you deal with that with, um, with your kids and your clients, certain courses that you recommend? I do. I do. Um, there's a wonderful resource. Actually, it was created here in Maine at, at Bates college. I was almost at the wrong college, but at Bates college in Lewiston, it's called diverse, diverse book finder. So it's diverse. I actually do reference it in my book, diversebookfinder.org. And you can type in like whatever you are looking for. And and it has gotten a lot better in the last, you know, 10 years. It used to be really hard to find, you know, you had your, you had the snowy day and you had like a handful of other books that showed children of color in them. Right. And it's it's gotten, and now there's lots of other books that actually address differences and the the landscape. I actually have a whole list because I was doing workshops about that for a while. Um, But Diverse Book Finder is an awesome go-to. And I also do um, make a lot of recommendations for other resources in my book because Mm-hmm. I try to write short books for parents. Cause I know that parents are really busy. Both <laughs> of my books are like about a hundred pages, which, cause I know, and I try to make all the information in the vignettes, like really bite-sized because there's just, you're ba- you just can't right? like, and if sure. you're not passionate about, like, I, I joke that I read all the parenting books, so you don't have to right? like, so I, <laughs> I read them all because I'm obsessed with parenting and I love it. And I, it like fills me up, but if it didn't like, why, who has time, right? I used to tell people because I used to own fitness and yoga studios and I would watch every infomercial of every new <laughs> fitness toy and every new fitness program. And I would buy them all. And then I would try, try them, them all. And I'm like, awesome. I know you up are in the middle of the night. You want to try them all, but I will try them. So you don't have to, I will buy them. So you don't have to. And then I just, you know, give them the, give them the good parts in the, in yeah. class. But yeah. Yeah, that's love- awesome. Yeah. So like we all have our passions, but then we can exactly. learn from each other. And I tried to just distill a lot of information and offer a lot of resources in a, 
in a short yeah. tiny look how skinny it is it's so cute yes Thank yes you. it's it's very um accessible yeah yes. that was my goal and does your child um now you know knowing your uh parent educator does he just sometimes talk to his friends and be like my mom is i don't know <laughs> i don't know I aware probably, of what probably. i'm doing and thinking <laughs> he uh you know from a young age because i was really i have been examining you know i loved my time in therapy i have been examining my manual that i inherited from my parents and they yes. they did some things really well and they did some things really terribly like a lot of people right um and so i have i have told him that that you know i was not raised with the kind of space and and mm. you know equanimity and and whatnot and um you know, I just was really honest about it. Like, you know, sometimes I get triggered because I, you know, this is not how it went in my family. And so I have to stop and think about how I want to respond when something happens. Cause I don't want to respond. I don't want to do it with the first thing that comes to my mind. Right. Which isn't yes. really, isn't going to, it's not going to build connection. Right. I'm thinking of Pam and it's not going to build connection. So I'm going to stop. I tell a story where I just stop and I sit down and I literally look at my three-year-old and say, I have no idea what to do right now. <laughs> no idea. No idea. Because the things I could think of to do are going to break connection, all three of them. So I'm yeah. just not going to do them. And I'm going to sit here till I think of something. And then guess what I thought of? Play. Play. Come play. Play. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, you know, then I engaged him in a playful manner and boom, guess what? He was dressed and we were off to school. It's so it's transformative and it with is too. And we think that we outgrow it or don't no. have time for it or shouldn't value it or prioritize it. And the busier and more chaotic and heavier the day gets the more important it is to bring pleasure and play Absolutely. into the day to revive you to keep you fueled to remind you yes. that like life is hard and good and yes. that it's going to be okay um it's not the i love the saying i think um, I'm not gonna remember the name of the person who says it, but the only thing impermanent is impermanent. Oh, yes, yes. You know? yes. This will change. This moment yes. will not be this hard forever tomorrow or forever. Or as, as my grandmother used to say, this too shall pass. Yes, yes. That was her, that was her <laughs> saying, this too shall pass. Yeah. But yes, the only thing permanent is change for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, I love your book. Um, I yeah. had the pleasure of reading it before it was published and, um, and it opened my heart and it reminded me of things that I really wanted to be more mindful of and intentional about in my parenting. And um, I think you're a brilliant resource. I'm so honored to have you as a, a friend and a, and a colleague. And um, yeah, thank you. How can people buy your book, Sarah, if they want to read it? So it is in the pre-sale period. So from okay. now until July 15th, you can order it um, on IndieBound. You can find it, but also at Barnes and Noble and on Amazon. Okay. And then it should be in local bookstores after that. And if you can't find it at your local bookstore, you can call them and ask them to get it. Um, but then they will all get shipped out um, in the middle of July. Excellent. And if somebody wants to email you, ask you a question or just reach out to you for resources or a good email or way to they can find me. There's a um, contact form on my website, which is okay. my name, sarahmclaughlin.com. That's Great. the best. That's the best way to find me. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure you can put that in your. I will. I'll put it yeah. in the show notes. Absolutely. Your website and the link to uh, purchase your book. Yay. Awesome. 
so proud of you for finishing the thing and doing it, putting it out there and helping parents around the world. And then in turn, their kids, and then in turn, their kids. And that's how it works. On and on and on. Cycle. Changing generations with heart. Love it. Love it. Thank thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Pasha. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So please reach out to Sarah for all things uh, parenting with heart. And if you want to continue the conversation about pleasure or play with me, feel free to reach out to me. You can find me at PashaMarlow.com. That's my website or on Facebook and Instagram at Pasha Marlowe. And if you liked this conversation and like this episode, please rate it or share it. Subscribe all the things you know what to do. We really appreciate it. It helps us spread the word. So thank you all out there for listening. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. Bye.